Hello and welcome to Build Back Better, a series of online conversations from For the Region about the future of South West Wales. Hello and welcome to our next Build Back Better conversation. Today we're talking about digital skills and we're delighted to welcome today Craig James, Capability and Talent Lead for DVLA, Julie Walters, Senior Project Manager from TechnoCamps at Swansea University, Georgia Pickles, Talent Project Manager at Admiral Group, Dave Floyd, Director from Prego Wales, Tim Bashford, Senior Lecturer and Applied Computing at University of Wales Trinity St David, Oliver Williams from the Computational Foundry at Swansea University. I'm Zoe Antrobus and this is our host Dawn Lyle. So welcome everyone to today's roundtable conversation about digital skills in South West Wales. Digital, as we all know, is a key growth sector for our region, and we're delighted to be hosting today's conversation with the DVLA. We all know that there are huge opportunities for young people and people looking for a career change to make a career for themselves in the digital sector. So today we want to unpack a little bit about what we mean when we talk about digital skills and what our region needs to be doing to build back better in terms of creating those opportunities, supporting digital businesses, and generally upskilling the workforce right across all sectors. Um, if there's one sector that has continued to do really well throughout the COVID-19 crisis, it might be the digital sector. And for other sectors, those that have been able to quickly embrace digital and new ways of working have been in a better position and have been more resilient than those that haven't had those skills. And we've got some amazing digital businesses in our region businesses that we probably need to be championing a lot more because I think a lot of people aren't aware of how many great opportunities there are on their doorstep for careers in the digital sector. And jobs in digital are potentially really high quality, rewarding, creative and exciting jobs. And so how can we grow that sector and make sure those opportunities are available for young people and others across our region? We've also got some big employers in the region who don't immediately occur to us as being digital businesses. And one of those is the DVLA. That's a huge employer here in Swansea, but which is really committed to digital and transforming their business to embrace digital in all aspects. And so on that note, I'm really delighted to welcome Craig James, who's the Capability and Talent Lead at the DVLA. So welcome, Craig. You're going to set the context for today's conversation with a couple of quick slides. Lovely. Uh, th thank you very much. A pleasure to be here. And uh, no, thank you for the invite to come along. So I said I, I didn't want to dwell too much on a presentation or anything, because obviously it's, it's more important to have the conversations around the room. But I thought it'd be useful just to share a couple of slides that sort of looked at how we sort of approach uh, skills and capability development at DVLA. So I think for me that the first slide is just looking effectively at the areas where we focus. So from us, it's all around, and you know, we call it sort of engaging from 7 to 70. That doesn't mean if you're 6 or 71, you're excluded, but in general, looking at how someone, you know, from an early age, somebody in school, how do you inspire them to take up more STEM subjects? How do you inspire them to love IT and want to learn more? Then once they start progressing, then through their lives into uh, further education, higher education, how do you attract those individuals then into IT roles? How do you create the opportunities for them to get the experience that they need? Uh, and actually, to one of the things we're very keen to look at is for potential and an interest in IT rather than trying to look for all of those skills being in place up front. And then likewise, then when you do manage to attract those individuals into a business, how do you grow those skills further? So it's not just about getting them to where you are, but it's looking then how do you 
take somebody, how do you start their career? How do you sort of let them build their skills from there? How do they progress their career? How do you get them professional certifications and qualifications? And then how do you build the senior leaders for your organization for tomorrow? And that's just not just for someone like DVLA, but I, I, I expect this to be something that all organizations will be looking at. So really thinking of how do you get from the start of someone's life, getting that interest, attracting them to where you are, and then growing that talent from there, really. So all through an individual's life. And, and you know, what, what we find is that individuals have many different routes into IT. And I think for us, it's really important to think about all those different areas because the approaches we take are, are very different across the board. So I think that was one I just wanted to put up there as just sort of maybe a conversation starter when we get into it in terms of how other organizations approach those different elements. And then I was just going to spend uh, a minute or two on the next slide, if that's okay, just sort of setting some of the context of what we do in DVLA. So one of the things we've set up is our Center of Digital Excellence. And the Center of Digital Excellence is all around finding IT talent in a number of different technical areas and creating opportunities for individuals to move into IT and start their career there. So for, for us, I think you know, there's some really important principles that we sort of adopt around it. The first, are, if you look at the sort of left-hand side of the slide, is actually you know, different individuals have different life paths. Some people will always want to go to university they'll be, you know, their family would have done it. It's something they've always dreamt of. That, that's a path they're going to follow. So, you know, at the top of that sort of picture there, what we want is opportunities for graduates, people coming out of university, people who maybe built some of those skills either in IT or maybe in some sort of STEM subjects and, and having programs exist for that. But likewise, other individuals may not want to go to university. They may actually want to, you know, take on an apprenticeship. They might be better at learning hands-on. They might want to get into the workplace and develop those skills from there. So for us, it's about having different opportunities at different levels it's for us it's about being able to then you know offer those opportunities through that sort of standard life cycle so whether somebody's looking for a change of career or, or starting off or somebody's you know, well established along that path and just needs to get into an organization it's about having those different programs that exist that we can target at different areas likewise for us i think you know spanning modern digital skills so one of the things i know i, I find a lot of is when we started off we started talking about things like software engineering and cloud engineering but actually now branching out into multiple other areas. So looking at things like um, ethical hacking, looking at things like quality, engineer, uh, quality engineering, we've got the business analysis, so how do you operate fully in that digital arena and build the skills, not only in the technical space, but in all of those supporting functions as well. You know, building real professional qualifications, so whether you're with somebody like DVLA or you end up going somewhere else afterwards, you've got those industry recognized skills and you know, working alongside then as for, for us, you know, academic partners like um, University of Wales, Trinity St. David, Swansea University, Gower College, but also then looking at how we work with other partners in the region, so finding the right programs, and when they don't exist, how do we develop those alongside individuals? So the skills are modern, they're current, and, and they give the individuals what they need, really. So we just wanted to use these as a way of sort of setting the scene for some of the stuff sort of, sort of we do, and I think hopefully then we can use that as a way of maybe you know, finding out what others do and, and kind of taking some of the conversations from there. I didn't want to dwell too long on the slides. I know it's uh, preferred to see faces and talk about stuff, but uh, that was just a sort of glimpse into what we do at DVLA, some of the principles that we try to adopt and how we're using some of those principles then to engage with people across the region to, to build those programs that we're actually looking to deliver. Great. Thank you, Craig, for that introduction. I think it's, it's no, worth looking at those three um, stages that you described. You know, firstly, inspiring young people to think about a career in digital uh, in the future. So engagement with schools and accessibility for inspiration and awareness of what sort of different careers there are available 
in digital and then attracting those whether it's the graduates or undergraduates or school leavers or career changers attracting them into the organization and into careers in, in digital and then the constant ongoing development of those skills and it's a key aspect of business development generally isn't it looking at how we serve our customers we just need more and more digital within all businesses and so we never stop learning do we in the digital sector there's always new technology to keep up with so the continuing professional development of people in, in digital roles and across businesses. DVLA is hugely committed to creating a lot of those opportunities for digital careers. How many apprenticeships and placements and things do you run? What opportunities are available? So we're three years into our Centre of Digital Excellence now, so I think we've brought in 87 new recruits into DVLA over that time, that ranging from our master's programme to our level three apprenticeship to business analyst and that's stuff we also do a lot of sort of year in industry engagement across the region with places on that every year so so this year as an example we started 12 people on our master's program we started 10 with our new cloud academy we brought in four individuals on a new ethical hacking program we brought in five new year in industry students and sort of onboarded all of those sort of individuals in september and sort of the start of october so we, we try and run programs every year what we change is the, the levels they're targeted at and the and the different sort of subjects that they, they look at then. But you know, we, we tried to do it at scale. And I think one of the things that was really key for us is that real cultural change when you, you, you start from, you know, do I have to take an apprentice and develop them? Now people want them every year. They're fighting to get them. And I think, you know, it's creating a real culture for us where, you know, they're, they're a vital part of the work we do and you know, they, they contribute almost immediately after some of that sort of um, upfront basic training, really. And how important is engagement with the universities um, to your strategy? massively important so, so so one of the things i think is is really key for us is you know it's not just about putting on a program and saying it's in software engineering or or something like that so i, I know, know tim's on here as well from university of wales training st david's i'm sure he'll have a view but what we try to do is work very closely with the universities to develop those programs so actually engaging on a regular basis talking about the way we work at dvla talking about the technologies we use trying to actually then adapt in the learning with the universities and, and they support us then to teach the way they'll actually apply it when they get to the office so it makes it a much more hands-on and, and rewarding program for individuals so we've recently on our current program they've done a sort of six-week block where they've been with the university learning those core skills they're now with us applying that as a project over the next month so you know, we engage in what that looks like we try and adapt some of the you know, some of the learning to some of the stuff we do to try and link that into some of the assessment processes so it's very linked up and for me it's about teaching the right skills not just teaching any skills and no, this isn't just a, an academic tick in the box it's about actually learning the fundamental skills you need and I think as probably everyone on the call will attest to technology moves a lot faster than when we we first sort of started it you know, new skills new technologies are coming up all the time and it's vitally important that we work with the universities and colleges to get that right balance of, of what's taught really. Absolutely. I'm keen to bring in Julie Walters here. Julie runs the TechnoCamps programme at Swansea University and so a lot of what Craig has said must resonate a lot with you, particularly the bit about inspiring young people to choose careers in digital. Tell us about TechnoCamps and, and where you see that fitting into the overall mix. Yeah, I mean, Technocamps, I don't know if you know it, it's a programme that's been running since 2003. It's been going for a long time. It's full of projects 
And sometimes those projects have had more funding from European funding and from Welsh government and more support. And at the moment, we're in a great place in that we're funded by the European Fund, the Social Fund, and also by Welsh government to go into schools and to not only work with uh, secondary schools, but to work with primary schools and start right at that grassroots stage and deliver workshops which are innovative, front-end, front-edge about technology. And that, that goal is to inspire. I'll just mention one little thing there because I could talk about Technicamps all day and bore you silly because I'm very passionate about it and what's going on. We work with the DVLA. DVLA are on our steering group and we work with them on the uh, degree apprenticeship, which we run in the university and Swansea University. So as a program, we're, we're working with um, teachers to upskill. So we do a lot of work in schools. So we're working with primary school, we're working with secondary school and we're working with teachers. Very important to work with the teachers because they've had to really jump and embrace technology at the moment, especially with all the home learning and blended learning. So currently we are delivering virtual workshops, whereas we were delivering face-to-face workshops. We've moved all of our programs and all of our delivery from being a face-to-face delivery to being a virtual delivery. It is working and uh, we are getting busier and the word is getting out to schools. What I should emphasize is that we're not just about Swansea, which is great to be about Swansea, we are about the region. So we are working in Pembrokeshire and even Port Albert, Carmarthenshire of the full region, which is great. We are also about the whole of Wales. So we are working collaboratively with all the universities across Wales and the University of Wales, St. David's also on our steering group as well and heavily involved with us, which is great. And to, to say, and that we can work collaboratively with all the universities. In fact, we are, you know, working on the European project with Bangor and uh, with USW and on the Welsh Government project with Wrexham, Glyndor and with Cardiff. So it's great that we can have a programme which is working right from grassroots, right in primary schools, through to secondary schools and starting to create that journey and that inspiration in technology. Young people, primary school, not so afraid of technology. You know, they, they really embrace it. So I think start as young as you possibly can. The work that we've been doing in primary schools has been amazing. And we've done some work with the DVLA. We've supported their coding club challenge that they, they run every year. And that is an amazing competition that they do. Um, I don't know how it's working this year in this, uh, in this climate. You know, doing it face-to-face has been just an exciting opportunity. And we're doing lots of competitions like that too. I think Technocamps is a real example of a project that's inspiring young people. I know my eldest son, who's eight, was part of a Technocamps after school club. And one of the main benefits of that for us was to go to the university and for him to have an after school club that was on campus. And so that, I think, really opened his mind to the idea that there's a big university here and he's allowed to go there. And he felt very grown up. And as you say, primary school kids love technology because technology for them means playing games on their iPad, doesn't it? And now they're thinking, how can I make those games? How can I spend more time on these digital devices? And I always think it's about becoming a creator of content, not just a consumer of content so yeah I think you know you're, you're tapping on an open door with young people to get them to embrace digital but we're trying to to build that pipeline so I mean there are still some schools which are not offering a GCSE in computer science so uh, it's trying to, to move that forward as a as a subject which is very important in the curriculum and moving forward so we're really about that sort of the grassroots of the coding the actual software and the development rather than the use of the technology and the IT so we're really trying to, to build that into our into our culture and into our schools and it's something really of importance and that we are 
we're at the front edge of that and really upskilled. Yeah, so you've raised remote working and that was one of the talking points that we wanted to look at today. And I'll bring in Georgia Pickles here from Admiral Group. Admiral, huge employer again. Tell us about your focus on digital within Admiral and also talk about how COVID has impacted your work. Hi, I'm Georgia. I'm a tech talent project manager at Admiral. I joined as part of the core graduate scheme two years ago. Did a placement in claims, which is our biggest department. It's got three to 4,000 people, I think, working across Cardiff, Swansea and Newport. However, I was based in Cardiff. And now I work in our IT department, but more on the people side of things. And COVID for us has been a real game changer. I think I was very lucky to move into IT. And a big part of me moving into IT was the the nice shiny laptops, the idea that I could work from home, which didn't exist in claims when I worked there. But COVID for us has meant a rapid shift to homework in, which for most departments, especially the call centres, wasn't possible beforehand. And I think we got most people in the call centres up and running on laptops that previously didn't exist, some of which were bought from John Lewis, um, <laughs> panic buying on the day that it was announced that we were going to be working from home. We got that all spun up within two weeks. Our call stats were back up to normal levels, which was a big shift from our IT teams, a massive, massive effort. And I think with that, it's brought a lot of freedom that we previously didn't have. I think a lot of our workforce are really, really enjoying working from home, which then it brings into question, we've got massive offices in Cardiff. I think we will keep them for now. Um, they were purpose-built for us. So we've got 11 floors worth of space in Cardiff, and that's just in one of our buildings of a few in Cardiff. But again, that brings around opportunity. I think with less people in the office, you have more space to play with. So when we do go back to the office, we'll have big spaces that have nice shiny TVs where remote meetings are the norm and the whole meeting room is exposed in a camera view to the people who are remoting in from home. Whereas previously our meeting rooms were quite dated to say the least. They didn't have the tools and tech available to, to facilitate the people who were remote working. And then on the business side of things, so stepping away from people, I think the coronavirus has been a struggle for a lot of people, but for us as a business, it's meant a shift away from our call centres. People are tending to prefer digital channels now, so we've had to adapt our strategy towards that, which has meant that our digital teams are massively increasing, and in the long term, our call centres will inevitably shrink. Something that we've kind of put in place to combat this early on, and we're hoping to carry this on in the future, is upskilling some of our call centre agents to become digital staff, which at first I think was confusing a few people it's quite a big shift you you might not see some of the transferable skills that are there for us it's been a real success so from my end I kind of coordinated 10 call center staff going through an external training provider we worked with Knowledgy who are based in Bristol and then um, we put them on a four-week boot camp training so they learned how to test code they learned how to write code very basic but it, that's kind of the first stepping stone to them being part of our tech department and that's worked really well I think they're only four weeks into their placements with the tech teams at the moment but they are absolutely loving it and I think the transferable skills that they've taken from the call center it, it's incredible they know so much about our products they know how to use the software that they will actually eventually be developing on which means a lot I think a lot of our tech staff don't have an appreciation for the end user, which is so important. So now bringing the end users into those teams, that they have so much to give. And it's been a real success. So I know that we've 
we've got budget to do that again next year and we're really hoping that that upskilling program will be a massive part of our shift towards digital it's all busy <laughs> busy times i think our department's recruiting probably more than we ever have which is definitely a positive and a positive for the region as well i think to see that big employers are doing well it, it's a real positive for those who who might be in a difficult situation with their current job thanks georgia yeah really interesting to hear how things have sort of transformed behind the scenes at admiral and i think one of the key points that you've made there is the transferable skills and and colleagues in other parts of the business suddenly becoming part of the technology team and i think that's probably the shift that the, that we're all going on really that there will no longer be any jobs that aren't touched by digital in some way. And so it's not seeing digital in a silo within an organisation, but really part of the sort of lifeblood of how everyone is working. We want to come back and talk about the importance of diversity in IT. So I'm sure we'll be asking you as a young woman about your career choices a bit more later on. But I'd like to bring in Dave Floyd from Parago. Parago works with organizations and businesses on digital transformation. Welcome, Dave. Tell us about your organization and your perspective on all of this. Hi, Don. Thanks. So, yeah, we're a small digital consultancy based in Swansea. At the moment, we're about 12 people. So we predominantly support a number of public and third sector organisations of various sizes across South Wales and the southeast. And I think it's, it's, it's quite interesting that there's a lot of technology people on the chat because actually where we come at it from in terms of digital transformation is that it, it's it's not really about the technology. The, the focus that we take is more towards the service design aspects of it. And I think as George has touched on there, a really important part is getting that voice of the end user into the technology teams. The last couple of years, we've started to engage with a couple of the universities who've taken a placement student this year now, so first year of taking someone up to Swansea University. She's come out of the uh, School of Management rather than the computational side of it. And we're starting to put together plans now for what does our placement look like for next year. And actually where, where we're looking is more towards the design colleges rather than the technology colleges, because I think those aspects of digital are often the bits that are overlooked and, and people concentrate a lot on coding skills and, and building that technology base which is really important but actually again just to come back to without, without the service design and without that user research piece without that bit up front of understanding who the end users are what they're trying to get out of the services that they're looking to consume you could really just be building technology that no one's ever going to use i mean you look at some of the big tech companies actually facebook spend as much on psychologists and sociologists as they do on their technology staff so do google so do apple they spend a lot of money on that service design element of it equally as they do on the technology bit and i think that that's where we come from and a lot of the questions we get from our client base when they start to talk to us about digital transformation that first question from us is, what do you mean by digital transformation? And I think when you, when you get to the root of it, what they mean is they want to get what they're after, a better understanding of their user base and their customer base, and then working back from there so that we can start to do that user research, start to pull together where the pain is for the users today before we start getting into designing those new services. And then right at the end of that, understanding what that technology needs to look like to support that service delivery. It's not purely straight in about, let's go and build some new systems. It's very much about let's go and understand what users are trying to achieve 
and then let's design our organization around supporting those outcomes that users are looking for. And I think it's very important, particularly in the public and third sector, where maybe the, the money isn't there to keep, keep throwing money at trying to do different things all the time and, and spend that money on big technology stacks that don't necessarily help achieve the outcomes that they're looking to achieve. And how has COVID changed, you know, what your client base needs or what they're prioritising? Has it had a big impact? Yeah, I think with a lot of them, particularly talk about the remote working, and I, th- I think there's been a lot in there. We've, we've heard a lot of people say that they've done more digital transformation in three months than, than they've done in the previous three years. And and I think, yeah, maybe, but, but actually, if you weren't thinking about what that means holistically pre-COVID, you probably aren't doing it now. And what you've actually done is just allowed some staff to work from home. And, and what we've started to see is, is kind of like what we're saying is the, the advent of the PERMA meeting. So people's calendars are suddenly, people know people are in the house. So they get meetings from eight o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night. And, and that, that comes with its own issues. And I think, again, it, it comes back to that. How do they start to design services and particularly some of the public sector organisations that we're working with now. Again, comes back to what Georgia said, more and more people are needing to use the internet. And there is a big digital divide in, in South Wales. We, we know about it. There's a lot being spoken about that. There's, there's a lot of good work going on in that space. But more and more services are being delivered digitally. And I think what we're finding is a lot of, a lot of our client base are starting to think they can't just design those services the way they holistically have, which is about understanding how that those services are and processes are lean and efficient for them as an organization, unless they're going out and understanding, again, back to go out, do that user research, start engaging with citizens predominantly with public sector. What are they trying to do? How do they want to achieve it? And, and start building that organization and those services around the needs of the people who are consuming the services. And I think that, that's been... Um, a marked shift in the conversations we've been having with a lot of our client base. They have started to see the, the real value in speaking to the people who are consuming their services. And that, that's, that's where we've shifted. And I think part of it is, is again, it's that ability to, to work remotely um, and to start engaging people remotely and, and people are less inclined to do that user research in offices and, and libraries and travel now. Whereas people are willing to spend an hour on a, on a chat like this, where, they, where they're happy to talk about the problems they have with, for argument's sake, trying to get a new bin because their, their bin has blown off down the road. But, but they are really, they're very real problems. For people. At the minute, some of those services aren't great. It's almost easier to do that user research now than it has been traditionally because, because people do have the, the time and they're willing to give the time to make those things better. Yeah. And it sounds like that's a key stage in figuring out, you know, what the digital needs of any organisation are, as you say, where you can help them actually figure out what their customers want and what the needs are in the market. It sounds really sensible first step. I'd like to bring in Dr. Tim Bashford. He's a senior lecturer in applied computing at University of Wales, Trinity St. David. University of Wales, Trinity St. David has got a whole range of digital courses and I'm speaking from personal experience as someone who's come out of a digital media course and 
3D computer animation and the games design, the graphic design and illustration, huge kind of creative digital sector. But tell us about the applied computing department and what your students and graduates are looking for in terms of their careers. Oh, thank you. So, okay, we, we are a computing department with a focus probably more than anything on applied computing. So we may be less focused on the very maths oriented computer science type courses. And we're, we're more focused on career oriented, more applied jobs. So for things like software engineering, things like computer networks and cybersecurity, data science, these are actually very, very large areas at the moment with, with massive skills gaps. So we are very much focused on training people for employment. Um, and as Craig mentioned earlier, we've been running a contract masters with the DVLA for the purpose of taking graduates uh, and not necessarily, I should add, computer science graduates, but graduates from all sort of STEM fields and training them in software engineering. So a lot of people have used this as a sort of conversion masters, if you like. So people who may have done, uh, and we, we had someone this year who has a degree in psychology, which was quite a numerate degree and training them to effectively be a software engineer. So facilitating that shift towards a, a very different kind of, of career, if that makes sense. But yeah, I, I think our, our focus for the last 20 years has really been on employability, employability in the local area and growing skill in the local area, trying to support the local tech sector. A, a big problem that I think is faced in the local area and across South Wales is computing uh, and computer science is a, a very well-paid field. And that doesn't sound like a problem, but the challenge is sometimes you train somebody, you, you get a fantastic graduate and they may work in the local area for a year or two. And then they see the, the salaries in London, the salaries in Manchester, and they think, well, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go and take that job and be paid almost twice as much for what I'm doing right here. But I think it can be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because without having companies here who support things like continuing professional development, it, it can be very challenging to retain the skills needed here, the people that are needed in the local area, in the local area. And that's something that companies like the DVLA have been fantastic at. And I, I know over the last few years, they've put a tremendous amount of effort into things like growing the potential of people and taking in people who maybe don't necessarily have the skills right now, but are looking to build them. Yeah, you're really talking my language there. I mean, I'm here with two hats on. In my spare time, I run a company called iCreate and we're a computer animation company. And everything you've said there about this new pressure suddenly on salaries and on retaining staff. So on the one hand, the fact that everyone can work remotely across the whole of the UK or anywhere in the world, opens up massively kind of the pool of opportunities and the pool of talent. But on the other hand, I think we're all going to have to work harder in our businesses to retain our members of staff who might not have wanted ever to move to London and work in London, but now can get jobs in those London companies remotely. You know, what are we doing to keep those skills in the region and attract those people to this region where historically perhaps salaries have been more suppressed than they have been in some of the, the big cities not yeah. just in the UK but around the world. Uh, absolutely and I know certainly some some of those large companies are looking to models where for example people will work remotely for maybe four days a week or, or maybe even for an entire two weeks bar one day and in that sort of scenario well 
if you live in Swansea or Cardiff, working in London is perfectly viable. I mean, okay, no one wants to take the train for six hours a day as it would be there and back. But if you have to do that once a week or or every other week, that suddenly becomes quite a, a viable opportunity. So I think we're going to see a, a significant restructuring of how careers and especially tech-driven careers, I think, are, are going to work. Uh, and I think it's going to be very important for companies to be aware of how that world is changing to, to recognize that as exactly as you said i mean remote working is is going to be probably the norm for a lot of sectors going forward so how companies can actually retain staff uh, in that sort of world where people have the freedom to work literally anywhere in the world effectively yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting period of time over the next few years as i think the employment sector adjusts and i think as you've already mentioned we're talking about a sector here that's you know, the talent in this sector is in really high demand. If you're good at digital stuff, then, you know, and, and particularly things like cybersecurity and, and all kinds of really techie stuff, you're in high demand. And, you know, that's a, good, that's a good message to get out there to young people thinking about what careers to go into. There are definitely jobs in this sector and predicted to massively grow. So graduates are coming out from presumably from degrees like yours with applied computing skills. So less of the theoretical and more of the practical. Do you have high employment rates for your graduates? Yeah, tr tremendously high, actually. It's to the point where we love telling the story because it's, it's a fantastic sort of uh, example of, of what we're, we're trying to achieve. But uh, every year we have companies approaching us asking for our best graduates, as it were, you know, asking for people who they can hopefully employ as soon as they graduate. And for the last few years, in quite a few of our degree schemes, we've had to tell them, mm, sorry, they're actually already employed, every single one of them, which is fantastic. And it's what we love. We love being able to say, and it really is what we're trying to achieve. Uh, but yeah, you, you're exactly right. There is such a massive skills gap in these areas that it's, it's a fantastic message to get across to young people that if you're looking for a career, a career which is relatively safe to go into, in which there are going to be jobs for you going into these fairly high-tech areas, things like computing. Yeah, it's a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, and many degrees, as we know, don't lead to automatic employment. So it's great to have that strong sector. And I think that's why it's recognized by everyone as a key growth sector for our region in terms of future opportunities, resilience and jobs now and in the future. I'll come on now to Oliver, Oliver Williams from the Computational Foundry at Swansea University. Oliver, talk to us about the Computational Foundry, a massive new facility on the Bay campus. What's going on in that amazing new building? Okay, hi everyone. So a quick background in myself then. As, as you just said, I work in the Computational Foundry in Swans University. I'm currently working on a project within the Computational Foundry for the Central Doctoral Training Centre. So this is a student-based project which is recruiting students to put them at the heart of artificial intelligence and big data. This project's been running for roughly two years now, I think it's about 18 months coming up. Our big issues at the moment then are recruiting the students and facilitating the students within the computational foundry. So we are having to well, basically change the way the building is then in terms of how we can open safely for students, how we can bring students in, make sure that they are staying safe within the building then, and basically trying to bring back academics as well as students. The main issues we have then for the CDT project is that our project is reliant heavily on industry partners. 
So within this COVID world, then we are trying to facilitate, say, meetings with these industry partners in a safe environment to get them to meet with our students then. So without being able to, say, meet in person with them, we're having to do everything via Zoom then. So it's quite difficult for us then to bring in industry partners to actually meet with our students so they can see what we're trying to do, what the project's about, and bring them on board to create these projects then. Yeah, and just what Tim said about the employability of graduates in this space, does that resonate with you as well on those kind of particularly cutting-edge technologies like artificial intelligence? It sounds as though the key challenge for you is, is business engagement and getting businesses to work closely with students and with the university. Do you think this region has caught on to the big opportunities that there are around some of these really cutting edge technologies? Or do you think we haven't caught on in this region? I'd say we have caught on in in a sense that talking about employability, we have seen a number of students then. So from our last cohort of students, we have seen a lot of students employing from diverse backgrounds. So they're not necessarily from a technology-based background. They're coming from different fields. So we've got people from law. We've got people from psychology-based backgrounds. And I think there has been a shift within certain people to actually see that the digital technology is a way that they can actually forge a career for themselves. And they've actually engaged in wanting to become part of a new digital world. We've seen a big shift from people just from a computer science background of students wanting to join to students from a number of different fields. So students certainly are starting to see that there's an opportunity for them. What our vision is, is it's important to take a person and put them at the heart of this technology and make sure that we are driving the improvements in technology as well so we're able to keep up with it. So I think that a lot of our students have seen this as a major challenge then. So they want them to become part of this, learn about this, learn about a new industry in which they've never had any background in before. And they see this as a chance to to really make a difference in the world then. Yeah, I think it's a key theme that's emerging from what a lot of people have said today, um, where digital careers are not just about the digital, it's the convergence of people from different backgrounds, whether that's academic backgrounds or different life experience, applying technology and digital to all aspects of what a business does and all aspects of life and making sure we have got those people coming into organisations with diverse backgrounds, but all embracing digital ways of working. Craig, I'll come back to you, you know, from a DVLA perspective. So are you seeing more women coming into the industry? What's the DVLA doing to support more people from black and ethnic minority backgrounds? How are we making sure, and particularly, I think it's important when you're talking about something like artificial intelligence, we need real diversity among the people who are creating these powerful technologies. Absolutely. So diversity is, is a massively important thing. One, one of the things we've recognised very quickly is it's not just a DVLA problem or a South Wales problem, but you, you look at some of the sort of using gender as an example, gender imbalance is across the whole sector. And I think some of the stuff we've been looking to do effectively is things like, you know, sharing a lot of stories. So building our digital advocacy groups, trying to share stories of people we've got in digital roles and women who've gone on into senior positions, people who've come from diverse backgrounds. We sort of held some webinars recently where we've talked about how some people have come from those non-traditional backgrounds, how they've sort of got into IT 
developed from there and, and not just in the software engineering type stuff you think of, but talking about how people can go into business analysis and how people will move from maybe support roles in IT into roles where they'll engage with more people from a sort of technical perspective and then some of them moving into more technical roles. So actually it's broadening out that picture, not just sort of those core people in those core roles. So you talk about sort of 10% types of figures if you look at sort of women in some of those really technical roles. But as you start to look at some more of those support roles we've got in programs and projects we've got in business analysis we've got that kind of stuff you know those numbers increase and then they increase further when you look at us as sort of an IT department so one thing we're trying to do is encourage people to come into IT in general develop their skills from there and using a lot of our sort of continuous professional development we do a lot of work with giving people those opportunities then to do things like digital degrees to develop some of those skills where perhaps they've got into a career, they've come into somewhere like DVLA, they've started to move into a particular area and maybe missed that opportunity to do some of that academic learning. So trying to make that an opportunity for people who work with us as well as those we kind of recruit and bring in, looking at how we can give people opportunities to do that professional certification and develop from there. But a lot of it really is trying to get those inspiring messages out because the way we sort of look at it is what you want is you want to get more people into that funnel. So when you recruit and you want more people applying, you want more people interested, you want a real diverse kind of group with which you know you can kind of move into those roles. And to do that, you've got to inspire people and show them that actually IT isn't necessarily what you think it is. You know, there's many different people have got into it. Simple things like we talk about some of our programs where we offer them out to STEM backgrounds, which we did originally. So I'll hold my hands up when, when we were talking about that. I thought it didn't make much sense. We were looking for software engineers. Why wouldn't you just go and look for software engineers? But actually, you move forward a few years now and you see some of the people who've really got on weren't from that original background. People are actually, you want good people with a real interest and a kind of an aptitude to learn. And when you get those right people into your organization and you invest the time in them, that's when you really see potential. I think you know, for, for DVLA, it's very important to us in looking at diversity across you know, a, a number of different categories. And, and the way to do that, I think, it starts off with sharing those stories, showing people those routes into IT, trying to recruit people, not necessarily with that experience, but with that potential. So you open up that whole pool of people who can apply. And then likewise, when you've got those individuals in your organization, how can you develop them further then? So not just get them in and kind of, you know, tick a box that you've met a number, but actually develop them through into those senior leadership roles and really invest in that time. So our kind of digital advocacy programs are something that we're you know, constantly looking to do. We, we like to take advantage of these types of opportunities. So you know, really sharing our story and coming out and you know talking to people what we do. And I think you sort of alluded to at the start, you don't think of DVLA as being an IT organization. And we we work across government as well. We, we sort of have Government Digital Careers Alliance, which is a, a group that we formed a few years ago, which has got a number of other government departments in. And we meet on a regular basis to talk about these types of issues, talk about how we can share what we do to a wider audience and, and really sort of say to people, you know, if you're thinking about a, a digital career, then actually look at DVLA, look at other government departments, look at sectors you maybe wouldn't have thought to look at first. And likewise, it's not just about coming to us with the skills of a cloud engineer or software engineer, there's other routes, there's other roles, and you can develop those real sort of digital skills within an organization. You just need an opportunity to do it, really. So it's a difficult task. I think everybody on the call will probably agree. I think, and it's one that's you know, going to take a while to solve, but starting with inspiring more people into it, creating innovative opportunities for people to get into roles and then develop them when they're in those roles, I think is, is the key. You can't attack one or the other. You've got to have a whole suite of opportunities if you really truly want to start making a dent in a, you know, a very difficult problem. Yeah, I wonder, Georgia, does that resonate with you and your experience? You said you started off in claims handling at Admiral. Did you know you wanted a career in digital or was that not on your radar at all? 
So the way Admiral grad schemes work, there's currently a core scheme, an analyst scheme, and an IT scheme. The core and analyst schemes start their journey together. So you have a six-week induction with everyone, and then they kind of split off into the different segments. So the core people go on to their placements, and then the analysts learn some further skills that they'll need. Whereas the IT scheme is completely different. So I was actually the first core grad to ever explore an option in IT, because obviously I don't have any digital skills, to be honest. I might be young, but I'm definitely not the most tech savvy in any way. So I kind of reached out to a contact that, I, that I'd made during my claims placement and said, look, I'm interested in coming into IT, was very honest and said, I don't have any technical skills. Are there any roles that you think would suit me? And so I got handed with the opportunity to set up a tech talent area from scratch, which having been in the business for six months, I was kind of like, ah, oh, okay, where do I start with that one? So just a small task for a grad. And I was quite lucky that they rounded everyone up. We actually ended up with a team of four in the end. So it wasn't a sole task. And we, we've just kind of had fun with it. I think we've got diversity at the forefront of everything that we do. So it's not one of the sections of things we do. It kind of is an overarching theme. So if we're looking at recruitment, we consider it first and foremost. If we're looking at retention, we're considering that. If we're looking at growth, we're considering that. And I think... We were quite lucky that in the beginning, there was never really a problem with women progressing in the department. So at our senior manager level within IT, there's, I'd say, an almost 50-50 split. So in terms of progression, we're doing really well. And then likewise with grads, we do really well. We've just had 10 grads start and again, a 50-50 split gender balance, which wasn't intentional, but <laughs> the, the girls that we had coming through the process were really, really good. But I think our, our two problem points at the moment with gender imbalance would be that middle management level. So between grads and senior management, there's probably a bigger imbalance than we'd like. And then at the application stage, we've kind of taken a two-pronged approach to this because we don't know whether, like Craig was saying, whether we're not appealing to enough women or whether there's not enough women in the sector in general. So we've kind of taken a two-pronged approach in that, like Craig and the DBLA, we, we're doing a lot of promotion of a gender slanted content. We don't want to kind of say, rah, 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 we're, we've got loads of women in our department and make it so obvious, but kind of in every piece that we put out there, kind of weaving it in. And I was really proud that one of the articles that we put out there, it was about one of our software development managers. It was our best ever performing piece of content that we'd ever put out there on LinkedIn. So we were really proud of that. It was about flexible working and actually before COVID hit, it was quite a good one saying that she does the school run with her kids and also kind of manages to manage a team at the same time. And the fact that Admiral are flexible around that. And I think the way that that was received on social media kind of hit home how we really needed to keep promoting that because clearly it, it's popular. And I think we did quite a smart thing by putting by the way, we have these roles open and those roles were the best performing that we've ever had. And we had the best gender balance that we've ever had an application stage. We're really quite proud of that. And that's something that we, we wish to continue throughout the rest of both this year and going forward. So yeah, I think we do struggle just like everyone else is struggling with gender balance in tech and digital. I think the whole sector has a long way to go, but we're quite proud of the steps that we've made so far in trying to close that gap. Great. And Julie, from Technocamp's perspective, are you seeing a larger number of girls at young ages interested in digital and tech careers? What's the gender balance among primary age children expressing an interest? 
Well, gender balance is a really interesting one for us. I mean, in the university at the moment, taking the undergrads, it's always been an issue. I mean, 10% females taking computer science compared to 90% male. I mean, that's a massive difference. I understand from last year, from the new intake that we just had, that that's gone up slightly, but something like 13%, but it's got a long road to travel. So our project is really trying to redress that at grassroots again and, and look at what we can do and help. Obviously, it's a bigger and wider issue than just education. You know, it's it's societal. It goes probably goes back to the fact that, you know, women did all the housework, they do all of those things and have a career as well. Okay, you know, how, do we, how does that balance? There's such a lot to change in that whole process. But in the, in the career side and what we're doing, we've got two things that we're doing at the moment. One is uh, we're GIST and WIST is, uh, is, my, is my phrase. So GIST is uh, Girls into STEM. Uh, so we're trying to encourage girls into STEM. We've got a great webinar series that we're doing at the moment. And this month, two weeks time, we've got somebody from journalism talking about her career, how she's had to change, how she's had to adapt, and how she's had to tech. Uh, fantastic. Um, at the end of the month, we've got an ex-NASA scientist who's coming to talk about her journey. They're all on the on Eventbrite, just sign up to them. Fantastic. You know, great opportunity to hear somebody's story. Um, and actually, the NASA scientist converted into computer scientists because they realized that the need to understand technology and how to advance different pro projects that they were doing. In what we do, just going back to, I think it's Dave's point, you know, about the, the people and the, the system and the design. I do think that's important. I also think the nuts and bolts are important. On your point, we do teach what's called computational thinking, which is something that's coming into the curriculum. It's teaching to think and problem solve and think in an ordered way. And I think that's very important to have that whole, that holistic side of things. It's not just about, right, can we write this program? Can we, can we code? Yes, that's important. We do need the nuts and bolts, but we also need to, to understand the process, understand how to think in an ordered way and how to solve problems. So that's one of the big things that we teach as well. And that's part of the new curriculum that's coming in. And, it's, and that's going right into primary schools. Going back to gender again. So talking about WIST and GIST again. So the, the GIST is for the girls. And so that's a programme for the girls. And we're also working with Girl Guides. We're hoping to develop a badge because they've got some badges there, but they're more sort of IT, very loose. They're not, they're not up, up front and, and, and as dynamic as they should be in this current age. And we're also working with women. So we're building a network of women who can come back in and, and go back to the girls. So you've got that whole cycle. The WIST is really a give back to the ladies who are going back in and talking. So the NASA scientists go back in and talking, join the network and we'll give, give back to you. We're doing a talk on that. Um, and then we've got somebody uh, coming from, actually from the Greenwich Maritime Museum. Their background is in astrology. So, you know, it's, it's very diverse and sectors talking about something that's practical that we can actually use and give back to those ladies who are giving back to the girls to inspire them in their journey. That's the whole mm -hmm. circle uh, that we're working with. Our project in ESF is to encourage two thirds girls to take up a STEM subject at, at O level. It's a challenge. I, I will say it is a challenge. So we're having to do and think outside the box as much as we can. Um, I don't really like doing things that are just for girls. I'd rather do things that are for girls and boys and then say, you know, equally you can do it. Sometimes you have to redress the balance that way because girls in an environment like that will have more confidence and they will realize that's okay. So confidence is still an issue. Imposter syndrome is still an issue with women. There's some, there's some things which you know, need to be addressed. And sometimes you do have to do specific things for girls. 
but um, on the whole we deliver to all and in primary school it's not an issue you deliver to a class it's not an issue and um, in secondary I think the more that we can do to 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 say that this is a career pathway and bring people who've had that career there's nothing more relatable than having somebody who is maybe in their 20s who's got a career in cyber talking to you about that's the journey that they took and they latch onto that as a young person and say okay that happened to me when I was younger you know that we had a, a day of uh, women coming from different sectors that came in there were engineers there were doctors they, so there was no sector that was out I, I completely agree that's really powerful for young women to just see those pathways and I also think a key message is that a career in digital and tech is not just a career in digital and tech. It's the convergence of everything you're interested in and passionate about generally. And that can be your pathway into really upskilling on the digital side. I mean, that's been my experience. My interest has always been in sort of graphic design and, and layout and making stuff look good. And obviously that's what got me into the technology is because I wanted to be able to do my own designs and videos and things like that. So I came at it from a creative perspective and probably a kind of marketing mind and embraced technology because technology helped me to do that thing that I was really interested in doing. And then I started a business and, and became a, an entrepreneur in the sort of digital and tech sector at a time when you know, there was a lot of support for graduates coming out of universities here in Wales, encouraging tech startups in particular. But again, having that really broad definition of what is a tech startup, it could be a, a design company or a service-based organization. But yes, if you're, you know, if you're taking that approach of enabling and empowering your your customers and your solutions with technology, then it's a, a much broader appeal because it doesn't say you're going to be sat in front of a computer coding day in, day out. It's really taking that holistic view. Using Welsh government speak, which they quite often do, where they say it's a cross-cutting theme, really, across every business that you can possibly think of, isn't it? You know, you cannot run without technology. You think how careers have changed. I had a marketing job uh, once upon a time. You might be writing copy for newspapers and sending something, you know. But now you've got to be so analytical. You've got to get into Google Analytics. You've got to get into Facebook and Twitter. You know, you really, you cannot do your job properly and not embrace technology. So you see how that whole job has changed into something which is a career in, in digital. And I think we mustn't forget that that must be very stressful for a lot of people who haven't, who don't feel like they have got those skills. I wanted to give a shout out during the course of today's conversation to a project called Swansea Mad, Music, Art and Digital. For anyone who's listening that thinks, oh God, I'm really falling behind on my tech skills and I really am out of my depth here on the digital side. I'm sure partners will be able to signpost us to lots of different places, but I wanted to flag up Swansea Swansea Music Art Digital, Swansea Maz, you can get free training in anything that you are interested to learn about. So if you're thinking, oh God, I really need some help with Zoom and video conferencing for my job, or if you're thinking it's about the social media and the Google Analytics, as Julia's just said, or you want to be able to make your own videos or maybe do a podcast in your business or 
whether you're in work or out of work, any age, any part of the workforce or not in the workforce at all, look them up, Swansea Mad. It's free training, really bespoke to what you want to learn. And I think the message is it's never, it's never too late to start learning those skills. And if you've got something that you really want to be able to do, I think that's the best place to start and find the people who can help you do that thing with technology and uh, start off with some small wins. And before you know it, you'll be coding websites. Can I do a shout out as well for something that Tim and I are now uh, we're both involved in, which is the degree apprenticeship. I think that that is a fully funded program at the moment. It's free to the employer and free for the uh, employee. So you get a degree at the end of the process working with your employer. We did a lot of work with the DVLA on this. This is how it all started as a foundation. And we've worked with lots and lots of companies, but they're not all big companies. It could be a one-man band. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's not the size of the company. It's the fact that you can move that digital skill on and advance that employee or that employee owner and their employee. So there are quite a mix of different size companies and it's fully funded. So we've done, I think we've had 100 people through, 100 people through it. We graduated our first cohort last year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fabulous programme. And I think UWTSD are running it as well. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's a really good opportunity for businesses. And, and not just that, but we, we're also trying to match potentially people with employers. So it's not even necessarily the case that you absolutely have to have a job. In previous years, we've run a sort of breakfast event where we've done a sort of matchmaking kind of thing, where we've had people who want to get into tech, but who aren't currently in tech. And we have employers who are looking to maybe employ someone who will also in parallel do a, do a degree apprenticeship. But crucially, exactly as you say, I mean, it's a fully funded degree. You come out with a bachelor's degree in four years. So it's, it's entirely paid for you. It's of no cost to the business. So it's, it's a win-win-win as far as I'm concerned. There's, there's no reason that people shouldn't be doing a lot more than where they can. And it comes back to something that Craig said in his slides at the beginning, having all these different pathways into these career opportunities. So whether you are a graduate or whether you're a school leaver whether you're a career changer and whether you fancy something academic or you fancy something more hands-on, it's making sure there is a big diversity of pathways um, to attract the greatest diversity of, of talent, I suppose. So the universities are incredibly supportive of employers as well, you know, really helpful in helping those undertaking the degrees understand what they need to do and the expectations all the way through to supporting them throughout in terms of doing it. And, you know, it's exactly said, we find them people who maybe haven't had that opportunity for whatever reason are now given that chance to do really high valued qualifications. And I think, you know, it's exactly what you've said there, you know, working together with all the individuals on the calls like this, trying to find all of those different routes making kind of digital available to anybody, no matter how you've kind of got to where you are today. And people with you know, an interest in hardcore technical coding skills or people who just want to work in a kind of digital environment, creating something for everyone. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's an area where people shouldn't be afraid of having a look. And you know, there's a lot more variety of roles in those spaces and an incredible number of people who are there looking to support you doing it. So hopefully more people look to them in the future. And I think the other interesting statistic that I heard about was that actually we really need more teachers in schools teaching computer science and digital skills. I think I saw that only 11 teachers have come into the profession in the last four years. 
from a computer science background. So the computer science sector needs to give back the other way as well. People who thought they wanted a career in computer science, but now they've decided they might want to go and be a teacher. Sounds to me like there are this big demand for teachers with those skills so that we've, we really are getting to young people early enough. I always remember going to school assembly when my kids first started school and there was one male teacher in this primary school among a whole load of women. And as always happens in a school assembly, the projector didn't work, right? And so they couldn't get the, the video up on the screen. And all the women teachers just suddenly said, oh, find Mr. Williams, where's Mr. Williams? As though the only person in the whole school who could solve this tech problem of the projector not working was the one man in the school. And I thought, what are you telling our daughters here? I, I wasn't very impressed with that. I wrote a letter, but I do think it's important in everything we do to make sure we're not reinforcing gender stereotypes types but we need more good digital tech teachers in in schools i'm sure that's a, a key mm. sector as well. we do have a program for that actually which is uh, we we've been training teachers just last year i was on a course um, it's, a, it's a fully accredited course that actually gives them a qualification in uh, teaching computer science in schools uh, which is great um, but uh, we had had somebody on there who was teaching business studies in the school and they wanted to upskill and actually teach computer science and they're teaching that this year for the first time after doing the course and that's 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 really cool so that's upskilling within the school if you like and um, to make sure that uh, that pathway is, is is progressing and there's more opportunity for, for students because there's more teachers who teach yeah yeah so much work being done on all of this it's really great to hear so i wanted to sort of round up by asking you all to Suggest what would be your advice to someone thinking about a career in digital and technology? Um, where would you signpost them to, or more holistically than that, how would you encourage them to choose that career, whether it's a young person or a career changer? I'll come to you, Dave. What would your advice be? I think for me, I'll go back to where I started. It, it, it is that it's not about the technology. I think as as much as anything else, it's about the willingness to understand what people are trying to do and then applying that knowledge that you've got to, to whatever it is that, that you want to do. Like you said, I, I think digital now, it's, it used to be IT and IT people are IT people and they, they, they conform to a stereotype. As Jimmy said, there's 87% there's of people doing computational science are still men, but actually some of the, some of the best people I've worked with have come from, particularly in digital in the last 10 years, I've come from product design backgrounds and, and you probably find that people in design backgrounds, there's, there's a far more even split across gender, BAME, LGBTQ and all that kind of stuff. And, and I've, we find that the, some of the best people we work with are actually coming from those, those design and sort of non-traditional tech backgrounds. So, so I think the, the, the key for me is just don't assume that you need to be able to code to work in digital. There's many and varied jobs and roles and skills that are needed to, to support digital services. Mm, great advice. Thanks, Dave. Oliver, I'll come to you. What, what advice would you give to someone? I, th I think it would be to encourage them that they can, they can actually contribute into the digital sector. I think, like Dave just said, there is a lot of stereotypical views around digital technology and who can actually do it but I think no matter what backgrounds you, people have they can always bring their backgrounds and experiences into the digital world they can easily 
transfer them skills and still contribute. There's a lot of information that can be found on university websites about digital careers in computer science, for example. And there's a lot of people within the university that can, can actually help signpost people. I completely agree with all of that. Tim, I expect that resonates from your perspective. What, what advice would you give to young people and others thinking yeah. about a career in digital? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think it's absolutely crucial that we get more diverse perspectives in tech sector generally, exactly as, as Oliver said. It really resonated with me, actually, that story you said about going to find the man uh, as if it was the, the only person who could help. It is a huge problem, uh, the, the, the issue of representation. So I suppose really what I, I want to say is don't let anything put you off going into digital if that's what you want to do, because we, we see that this as a it's a really pervasive problem. It's a societal problem. Um, it's, it's the classic issue of if you ask, you know, 100 kids to draw a scientist, you get 100 pictures of an old white man in a lab coat, right? It's there's this perception that, you know, scientists are a particular way. And it's a it's a problem that we really do need to consciously address. Um, but even on a more personal level, I, I've heard stories of, you know, some of our fantastic female graduates who almost had to fight their own families to get into university to do computer science, which was unbelievable to me. You know, people say, oh, are you sure this is really what you want to do? It absolutely infuriated me. Don't be put off going into tech because you think it's, oh, well, it's, it's not for people of my gender. It's not for people of my sexuality. It's not for people of my race. It absolutely is. We need more diverse perspectives. We need more diverse people in tech. Tech is and can be for everyone. If it's what you want to do, go for it. Uh, and it's never too late. We, we've recently had people, you know, w women in their 50s and 60s who graduated from degrees in computing. And I'm not saying that's what you absolutely have to do. You haven't got to go as far as to get a degree, but it's never too late. If you want to do it, go for it. There's always a route to, to do it, is what I would say. Oh, very encouraging. Thanks for that, Tim. Julie, bit of advice from you. I would say that um, it's, it's lifelong learning. It never stops, does it? So digital is moving on all the time. And um, I mean, I did my master's when I was 45. So, you know, I, I did a course last year, you know, which was computing at schools. You know, it doesn't stop. And I think you need to embrace that and not be afraid of it. So for older people, I say embrace it and just keep uh, and keep learning and, and, and learn from your children. So when they pass you the mobile phone and you, you, you fix it yourself. You find that solution yourself and don't uh, let them do this. You know, all of those silly little things, but just keep learning. So all older people learn, keep on learning and, and younger people um, really, really, really take every opportunity, every opportunity that's there. Um, and you, you're going to have to take on technology. So you really need to embrace it. Um, it's in everything that we do. Um, I, I heard a thing, which is there are more mobile phones in the world than toothbrushes, which I think is great. So technology is there, it's massive, it's taking over the world. But uh, um, so we, we, we're gonna have to use the technology. So I think that we need to make sure that uh, we lifelong learn and, uh, and embrace it. I think also particularly, it's just occurred to me, you know, in an era of, of coming out of COVID when there's huge concern about the job market and it must be a terrible time to be leaving school and thinking, well, what's, what am I, where are the jobs? You know, and it's, it's, it's a sector that is growing with no sign of abatement, isn't it? And we're going to need people with digital skills. So if you're a young person worried about, you know, perhaps you've thought about career in hospitality or retail or one of these sectors that's been really badly hit, you know, rethink that. And, and perhaps digital is the sector that's going to offer you massive job security and huge, exciting opportunities as we go forward. 
Um, Georgia, I'll come to you. What advice would you give somebody? How, how best to get started in their career? Oh, I feel like I don't have that too much to add because I've not been in the sector that long, to be honest, and I'm still kind of figuring it out myself. Um, but I would say to everyone out there, um, digital is no longer something of the future. It's here. It's growing. So like, what are you waiting for, really? Um, be part of that movement. I think different perspectives are so needed, as everyone's kind of alluded to. Um, everyone's input's valued. So get in there get involved and I think from a social mobility perspective we're really really lucky in Wales to have the backing of the Welsh government I think there's so many funding schemes available businesses and individuals don't really have an excuse to not go out there and find a pathway towards digital I think it's not a cost issue which is amazing I think we're really really fortunate to have that um, so yeah finding a learning pathway that works for you it might not be a degree it might be short courses that you do bit by bit but there are so many resources out there to help you on your way and um, yeah just get stuck in and find a way that works for you great now it's been really good to have your voice as someone who's who's in in a new role themselves in the sector so thanks so much for your input georgia um, and finally craig talk to us then what's uh, what can people do to get involved in digital at the dvla so, so I think I um, just want to sort of crack on one point from what everyone was saying there. And I think the, the first thing, just to so I'll talk about something like um, the Technocamp steering group. So I get the privilege of sitting on on the steering group that Julie was talking about earlier. And what, what that group does is it has universities, it has colleges, it has uh, higher education providers. It's also got government organisations, it's got businesses. And we all talk about ways of how can we get people into digital. So you know, digital is an area looking for people. It's, it's not a closed box. There's actually you know, lots of people dedicating lots of time to try and find new ways to encourage people in. So if you are somebody who wants to try something different or somebody who wants to just prefer uh, pursue a career they've locked up for a long period of time, you know, organisations like DVLA are looking for you. And, you know, you, you wouldn't look up to that 16 storey building in, in Swansea and think there's 700 IT professionals in there. Well, they're all at home now, but you know what I mean. But I think it's, you know, there's a lot of businesses, a lot of organisations that have got huge IT departments that aren't just coding they're not just people doing those technical roles I know Dave was talking a lot earlier about sort of you know we also have you know, we, we have our UX lab we have people who do content design with people who deliver projects people who work on requirements people who talk to stakeholders people who you know have that kind of conversational technical ability where they can converse with people in in that area not necessarily do those jobs there's roles everywhere there's opportunities everywhere and organizations are looking for you if it's something you want to do so you know we, we dedicate a lot of time to doing it and I think you know I know a lot of people on this call and we've spent a lot of time talking about these types of things. So don't be afraid of it. Look further than you've maybe looked before. And there's definitely an opportunity out there for, for somebody who wants one. Great. That's a really positive message. So Zoe, you wouldn't describe yourself as the most technology embracing person. Has it been uh, interesting for you to listen in? I've really loved listening to it today. I mean, it's a real, uh, Dawn meant, uh, well, you've all touched on it. It's an clearly an opportunity sector for everybody um, I love the fact as a non-academic myself that there's so much being put into um, apprenticeship schemes for young people who wouldn't think of going who thinking that they'd have to go to university to be able to do this sort of thing I'm really inspired to hear that there's those opportunities for that I go to the techno camps um, women's dinner every year and I absolutely love it. I'm really inspired by all the stories that I hear there. I think actually 
if you're not able to do it live next year, then hopefully you could do it digitally so that maybe those um, uh, guide, guide children can listen in to some of the inspiring stories that are there. You know, it's really fantastic. No, I really enjoyed listening today. Thank you all so much. So thank you to all our guests today for what I think has been a really insightful conversation. There's clearly lots of work to do to get the word out to businesses and people across the region um, that we're all 100% committed to growing our digital economy. And it's a huge area of opportunity. In a time of doom and gloom, it's been a really positive conversation actually about uh, a growing sector and a huge amount of being, work being done uh, to encourage huge number of people into this sector so i hope it's been a useful conversation for those of you listening in to our build back better conversation uh, do subscribe and follow us on our social media as we continue to explore subjects about how we build back better across southwest wales over the next few years uh, thanks again everyone for taking part and we'll see you again soon bye